have to say what I feel. Miami has so much appeal. A great place to get a seafood meal. Miami. Miami, Miami. You got style. Picture it. Los Angeles, 2014. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you will ever need to listen to. I'm H. Allen Scott. And I'm Carrie Doherty, and this is a podcast where we have a friend over to watch and talk about an episode of the Golden Girls. Now, we have seven <laughs> seasons and 180 episodes Roughly. to get through. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So... Fasten your seatbelt, slut puppies. (laughs) So let's introduce our guest for this very first episode, a very special guest Mm -hmm. with a very special reason why she's the guest. Um, Gabby, you want to introduce yourself? I'm Gabby Dunn. Uh, I'm the reason this is happening. You are. That's and why you're our first guest today. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> you mean you're so welcome. Yeah. Because you're giving the world something amazing. Am I? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the reason Gabby is our first guest is because she introduced H. Allen and I uh, together. And do, Gabby, do you want to tell the story of what happened? Yeah. Well, H. Allen's having his birthday, and Carrie and I were going to hang out, um, and they didn't know each other, but I knew that they both liked the Golden Girls. Liked is a weak choice of word here. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, oh, she should come. She should definitely meet him. Like, well, I thought maybe you had already met him. No. So I was like, oh, you should definitely meet him. Like, come to the birthday party. So uh, we, like, roll up, and I'm like, oh, this is Carrie. Uh, and then I was like, she's your present. I brought her for you. <laughs> and uh, within, like, I don't know, 30 seconds, I was, like, shut out of the conversation <laughs> so they could just talk about Golden Girls in this, like, ridiculous shorthand. It was, That yeah. I, like, I was like, oh, man, I feel like I introduced, like, the Riddler to the Joker, which is, like, my wheelhouse. And then they were like, it's like you introduced Dorothy to Blanche's uncle. Which, I mean, we'll get to it in the finale, yes, but that's, like, yeah. you know. That's like that's, 180 episodes that's int- later. Introducing the I was two like, mates. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said to, like, we were, we were talking about the Golden Oh, we lost a coaster. It's I'm fine. Sorry. We're getting crazy. We're getting crazy. We were talking about the Golden Girls, and you were just like, I feel like I've introduced, like, you guys are now to your twins that have your yeah. own secret special twin talk well, Yeah, there's no, I was like, they, <laughs> you were referring to the showrunner of the show by, like, her first name, as She's if you know her. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I just didn't, like, you were like, Susan, and I was like, who? Oh. You were like, you know how Susan had, um, she had chronic, chronic fatigue. fatigue. Yeah, and then inspired an episode later on in the series. Yeah, but but no one said to me like she's the showrunner of Go- like it just you're went just like Susan. To know. Yeah. Like yeah, so yeah. so yeah, that's I'm, why you're our first. Guest yeah, I'm today. really sorry. No. Um, I love it. I think it's great. And then now I just yeah. like see your texts to each other on Instagram, and I'm like, what have I done? Yeah, <laughs> what have <laughs> I done? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sickening thing. Well, okay. So Let's the see. premise of this podcast basically is we invite the guest over we watch an episode of the golden girls and then we discuss it mm-hmm. this first podcast though is going to be sort of like a introduction to what we're going to be doing yeah. because the first episode which is also indicative of like setting the stage for the rest of the series mm-hmm. you know there was lots of little gaps that they had to fill and lots of little things that they had to take care of yeah. for example Coco? No. Coco. Yeah. The, I mean, the, that's probably the biggest example that people turn to. Yeah. So I've seen I've seen Golden Girls. This is my history of Golden Girls. I've seen it. Uh, I had never seen the pilot before today. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I did not know of the existence of Coco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's let's get right into uh, let's do a quick recap of the premise. Um, so uh, Dorothy, Blanche, and Rose, three women in their fifties. Yeah, they were 60s. in their fifties. Well, but women in their fifties in the eighties looked a lot different than women in their fifties in the aughts. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they said that the husband died when he was sixty-five. So are they like in their sixties, early sixties? Yeah. Well, I mean, Dor- so Fia's like eighty. Sophia's eighty, but yeah. yeah, but I feel like Blanche though is in late fifties. Yeah, she's 50s. younger. She's they're younger. like late fifties, early sixties. Okay, so the three of them live together. They're roommates, and uh, Blanche has been going out with this guy named Harry for only two weeks, yep. and he's proposed to her, which is how most proposals go on the show. On the show, yes, the the A men cycle in and yeah. out of their lives, never to be heard from again, yeah. and they almost marry them. It's bonkers, yeah. but uh, so uh, you know, Dorothy's kind of excited about this possible marriage, and whereas, Dorothy plays a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. Who works at the most violent school oh. in the history there's of the a, There's schools. like a one-off joke about a school shooting yeah. that never gets addressed yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, She's like, I'm substituting for a teacher who got shot by a student. And like, no one reacts. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Which today, that would not happen. No. Yeah. No. But that's what the whole thing is. They would never would make about. that joke. Yeah. yeah. No, well, they would never make that joke. In no. I think they were like, wouldn't it be crazy if? Like, and now it's like, oh. Oh, fine. gosh. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Dorothy's excited about it. Rose, however, is freaking out because she's like this is Blanche's house like if yeah. she gets married we're gonna have to find somewhere else to live and it's a right. bit of PTSD because of her husband Charlie dying and she feels alone in the world but she has a beautiful moment where she's like mm-hmm. we're alone we're alone we're and old then, and alone and then Sophia's line is get up hoodle yeah. in response to <laughs> being alone I, I, the show is like really um even though they're older women it was like super relatable that part that you're talking about where mm-hmm. Blanche is like you know we're, there's nothing kind of left for us to do, quote unquote, but we still have maybe like 30 years. Yeah, on like so our like, kids are yeah. grown up, yeah. our husbands have died. What are we going to do with it this time? Should be time? the time of your life. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, You're totally I feel free. they're all at their sexual peak. Clearly, yeah. yeah well, <laughs> um, and then also uh, a great part of the plot is that um, uh, Dorothy's mother, Sophia, her retirement home has burned down. Shady Pines. Shady Pines. Was Shady Pines mentioned? I don't think. It was I don't think so. Name. She just called it like the yeah. home. So she's come to live with them, right? Uh, basically. Well, that wasn't decided then. It was just going to stay temporarily, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then oh, it maybe. became she kind of lived because I don't think they ever discussed her living there. In yeah. So she kind of showed up with a bag. She showed up with a bag. Oh, also, P.S. That handbag. Yeah. Um. So she, it's like a very popular. It's like a wicker. Yeah. Like little oh, yeah, handbag that, that she carries. So a uh, little backstory: Estelle Getty like scoured thrift stores to find the perfect hair, uh, handbag for her auditions. She went or yeah. she went on so many auditions and callbacks to play the role of Sophia. And so finally, she showed up with this bag, like all dressed up, and they loved it so much that that's the bag that they used on the show. Yeah. And then they ended up getting a replica made just in case that one ever went missing. It just ended up being so perfect. So that yeah. was her audition bag. That's amazing. And then she carried it throughout. The and there's a lot of really good, interesting stories about how the actresses came to play the parts that they mm-hmm. played. But we'll, we'll mm-hmm. go into that. Mm-hmm. Recap, so. um, okay, so plot, plot, plot. Um, so basically, uh, so Sophia shows up. Uh, Blanche comes home. She's like, I'm marrying Harry. And Rose is just like, there's something off about this guy. We, yeah. we, we can't quite put our finger on it. Uh, she might be dumb, but she knows people. Yeah, yeah, she might be dumb, but she does know people, that's for sure, because she's a grief counselor, uh-huh. so she's more in tune with people's emotions. Had no idea Rose was a grief counselor. Yeah, she is a grief counselor. Is that a counselor. volunteer position? She, no, that's no, her job. She gets paid to do it yeah. because then when she gets fired from it, she freaks oh, out because right. yes. she doesn't know what she's yes. going to do with her life. Uh, and then, so on the day of the wedding, uh, Dorothy and Rose are kind of doing this great back and forth where Dorothy's like, she's going to get married, don't butt in, don't mix in. And then Rose is like, keeps almost telling Blanche, don't get married, don't get married. And there's like a lot of fun physical comedy. Then we learn that Blanche's 
a cop comes to the door. Misak Taylor. Yes. Designing, uh, designing women, women in mannequin. Yeah. Um, comes to the door, which it's like the weirdest cop call ever. What cop would just show up and be like, you, you know, like he wouldn't be the one. Like, excuse me, ma'am. Yeah, he's like, excuse me, ma'am. Um, the guy you that you're supposed to marry. Are yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't ask me how I know you or where to find you. Uh, but the guy you're supposed to, to marry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's that Harry told him give this note to. Oh, I guess the brunette. So, yeah. so basically, this guy's like a, a bigamist. They say to, yeah. he's got all these wives. Not and, Mormon. And, no, not Mormon. So they arrest him. So they yeah. arrest him, and he's in jail. And they send a note, and then Blanche is all sad. But then, you know, now Dorothy and Rose are like, "But now we can be together and yeah. be friends and and whatever." And then they make a promise, like, no matter what happens, even if they ever get married, blah blah, we're all going to be together forever. The end. Yeah. Which, I mean, as you watch that, and you see that at the very end when they're doing that bonding moment, you can't help but think of like every episode of Sex in the City. Yeah. You know, every episode well, yeah, it is. basically is, like, taken from the Golden Girls. That's what I thought of. Yeah. I mean, it is basically exactly like Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. It's the same sort of characters. It's the same, like... Yeah. I mean, but we were saying that it is... It was, like, crazy at the time to have this big network show with four female leads. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's yeah. talk about how the show came to be, mm-hmm. really. Um, or at least where the, how the actresses came to be playing the parts. So the show came out in 1985 on NBC. And uh, the Cosby show was already on NBC. And it was sort of, like, the big show. Mm-hmm. It was the must-see TV of must-see TV. And the Golden Arrows came out. And it was a risk because you had these four actresses basically, you know, leading the show. And you had Coco, who was the housekeeper, the gay housekeeper as sort of the only male presence. And he had a bigger role mm-hmm. initially, right? Yeah, he and did. Then... And then they ended up having... Because they the reason why they decided to cut him out, and you'll notice he's barely in the pilot. Yeah, yeah. they don't say anything about him. They don't tell you anything about his backstory he's or why he's gay. there. He's like, just, and he loves to make enchiladas rancheros. Which, I mean, <laughs> Dorothy can't take. Yeah. yeah. Just why like... don't you shoot me? That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> another, again, another reference to shooting. I don't... So the There's show came just out. not... Like, yeah, he has nothing... To yes. him, yeah. so he was clearly edited out. Yeah, yeah, they reshot a lot of the a lot of the scenes to to cut him out of it. And the reason mm-hmm. why he was cut out was because um, the character of Sophia was only supposed to be like a recurring character who would come around now and then, and yeah. Coco was going to be a regular. But when they realized how amazing Estelle Getty was, mm-hmm. they were like, she has to be in every episode. And then just having you know six of them or five of them, I guess, would be just too much. So yeah. they said sorry, you know. And then they well, they I was also out. I was telling Gabby before how maybe, and this is just you know. A guess on my end but like there had never been a show that had an all-female cast you know that every episode it was just an all-female cast Mm -hmm. with men coming in and out sort of the only regular man on the show ever was stan stan yeah that's really it and so maybe they needed a man even if it was just a gay man in 1985 they needed a man to sort of get the show pushed through so that people would watch it um but i don't know so before 1985, these four actresses. Estelle Getty had very, very little TV experience. She was mainly um, a Broadway performer mm-hmm. and a theater performer. She was in amazing Harvey Firestein's um, Torch Song trilogy, which, you know, was a beautiful play. And that's sort of like where the producers and Susan Harris knew of her mm-hmm. was from that. So that was her story. But the three main actresses, Rue McClanahan, Betty White, and B. Arthur, B. Arthur, of course, was huge. And yeah. she had been in Maude. Maude, yeah. Maude All in yeah. the Family. Yeah. And, you know, had Maude was a spinoff of All in the Family. And it was a huge series, controversial, you know, based on... Maude has an abortion? Maude has an what? abortion. Yeah. It was a great episode. I mean, there's like, there's some really deep, amazing episodes. And so... But then also, too, B. Arthur had a big Broadway career. Mm-hmm. She was, you know, in, um, in Gypsy. Not Gypsy. Uh... 
what's uh, well whatever the Lucille Ball Cats. movie. No, no there was, <laughs> I have the soundtrack. But she was she was a Broadway performer, mm-hmm. uh, and so she had been a very well respected actress. And the character of Dorothy was written. For B. Arthur in mind, but in the B. script it was a B. Arthur type. Yeah, was described. Uh-huh. But they didn't yeah. have B. Arthur. They didn't think they were going to get B. Arthur, so they tried to get Elaine Stritch. Mm-hmm. To play oh B. my God! Yeah. Oh my God! In, in, in Elaine Stritch's documentary or show on Broadway a couple of years ago, she talks about how she failed the audition and how she really bombed it. Um, but it wasn't her fault. It was because they they probably you know couldn't think of anyone else but B. Arthur. So yeah. it doesn't matter who came in. They're You're not blowing my mind. Right and there was now. no one else but B. Arthur. Now. Betty White, initially, she played Sue Ann Nevins on the Mary Tyler Moore show, mm-hmm. and that was a huge character. She, she was a slut. She was a slut. She was a vixen. But she was also, like, on the on the network, where, on the character that she played, the network show that Mary Tyler Moore produced, um, she she played this sort of, like, homemaker, cooking, sort of wholesome type. But then on outside of it, she was a total slut back. And so the character... Riddled Betty, with STDs. Betty White mm-hmm. then left and um, was on Mama's Family for that first yeah. season, right before the Golden Girls, who she also kind of played a hoity-toity, very beautiful, not slut, but she was just, you know, You could loose. tell it was brewing just beneath the surface. Yeah, there was some sluttish happening. <laughs> and so she was initially cast as the character of Blanche. Um, and then Rue McClanahan came and read for Rose, and she didn't respond to it. It just wasn't there. She and wanted to play Blanche. So she read for Blanche, and it worked. And Betty White, being amazing Betty White, she could do any of the roles. So she took Rose. And mm-hmm. she took Rose in a direction that, of course, is legendary now. Mm-hmm. And she oh my god, this... I can't imagine and it was where her playing Blanche. Yeah. No, right? And it was the director's Jay Sandrich, who, like, I, I don't know how quickly before they actually shot the pilot, but I heard it was, like, probably leading up to the days before they shot. He was like, you and you, switch roles. Yeah. Like, it was his decision for them yeah. to, to, to switch. And Holy crap. And McClanahan was over the moon about the it. The only reason why the show initially even got greenlighted was because of B. Arthur and Betty White. I mean, they were the huge stars. And yeah, they were yeah. the ones that could, like, get the show going. Mm-hmm. And Betty White and B. Arthur never got along. They weren't friends. And Betty White even talks about how B. Arthur, she was so distant from the rest of the cast because she was, she was a personal person. Like she was, she had social anxiety and she just didn't connect. But her and Betty White specifically didn't, Rue McClanahan before she died, she told this great story in every show she ever did that um, after one of Betty or B. Arthur's like one woman shows that she did in the couple years before she passed away, she would tell a story about how she'd get really, really drunk, B. Arthur would, and then she would tell Rue McClanahan had come close, and she said, Betty's a cunt. Oh, my and, gosh. And it was a thing. And now, Rue McClanahan would always say, don't tell this, don't don't talk about, don't write about this story. And then, of course, when she passed away, she told that story to everybody. Uh-huh. And of course, everyone knew it. And even Betty White probably is like, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, whatever. You know, I they, thought you were a cunt, they too. They were such professionals. They created a chemistry that's just like, I mean, you were saying in the first episode between Betty White and B. Arthur, that physical comedy. Oh, it's so funny. So yeah. funny. Yeah, it's The really... chokehold and the throw into the closet. Yeah. yeah. It's really great. So the show premiered and it was a huge hit from the beginning. It was really popular mm-hmm. and it was green-lighted for more episodes almost immediately. Now, why do you think, it? why do you think people, like, because the demographic for the show, I don't know what it initially was, but... I mean, my grandmother watched it. I watched it, like, and I was a child. Like, same. Yeah, do you same think? Here. Do you? What? Well, how did it just cross age boundaries like that? Why was it such a hit? In that, well, I think the writing, of course. I mean, that's what it, it is. It's the writing, it's right? It's totally the writing. Yeah. The writing was so. It's spot very on, universal. joke, 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 joke. Yeah. Like, 
And you can watch it, and I think on some level, too, the reason why we as children responded to it was because these are sort of grandma figures. These yeah. are figures in our lives that we were like, well, how fun would it be to have these mm-hmm. these women as your grandmas? But yeah. then you have also adults who see these women as sort of, and this was also in a generation where like Working Girl was coming out a couple years later. Yeah. Women were in the workforce. They were looking mm-hmm. towards the future. They were seeing a different sort of life. And this was an example of what life could, the direction life could go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in Miami, so, and my grandmother was very much like a Stalgetti's character, and I think, like, maybe it's one of those things where with Sex and the City, you're like, I'm a Carrie, I'm a Samantha. And in this, you're like, my grandma's a Sophia. Like, yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what, how I always... And like, that's sort of the universal thing now, is deciding what Golden Girls character... Yeah, which Golden Girl are you, Gabby, would you say? I'm, I w- I've said on Twitter that I want to believe I'm a Blanche, but I'm probably a Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Dorothy for you, too. Yeah, yeah. you're kind of mean. So- no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I wish... Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm totally Blanche, but, like, secretly Dorothy. Yeah, well, I think she's... everyone kind of wants to be Dorothy. Yeah, well, she's yeah. the most yeah. pragmatic, and she's also really dry, and... She's the funniest. And, yeah, she's the funniest. I mean, she's the stand-up, and she even does stand-up. She does, do, yeah, yeah, that's a great episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, Who are you, Carrie? Uh... In... I don't know. I feel like, this is going to sound like such a cop-out, I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit of all of them, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can see that. I can totally see Because, like, that. I have, I definitely have my dumb-dumb moments. Uh, well, no, I, I don't think there's much Blanche in me, but I did go to school in the South, so I can appreciate, you know, the mm-hmm. the flowing yeah. yellow trees. Yeah, I would have gone, I would have gone know. mix of Dorothy and Rose. Yeah, yeah, maybe Dorothy and Rose I'm a mix of. I'm just imagining, like, you know the Dungeons and Dragons, like, chaotic evil, neutral good, or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like Dorothy Blanche, Dorothy Rose. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely like I'm, when I was younger, I thought I was Dorothy all the way, of course. But mm-hmm. then as I get older and I look at my friends and how I interact with my friends and everything, I'm totally Rose. I'm, I'm naive. I'm gullible. You I tell know. really boring, dumb stories about your I tell boring stories about, stories about my life. I yeah. I like. I'm. You're I'm, super into herring. I you am, could no. you could bake Actually, the shit out of a herring pie. This is where you lose so. me. Where I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking okay. about. So let's reel it back in. Let's reel it back in. Um, so, um, what was your? What did you think about the first episode? Uh, usually pilots are shitty. I yeah. thought this was great. Uh, I thought they should have. Airbrushed out Coco entirely for this DVD. I don't know that they. Well, like, I don't know if like the digital uh, airbrushing was you know <laughs> existent, or it may have been a lot harder for them to do it. Um, I thought it was like super well written. I mean, very good structure. Like, I'm surprised Susan Harris isn't held up as like a, a comedic showrunner for the ages. Like, well, why she is she not? Did a few of the episodes, like that was the thing. She she was so sick, and she didn't do many series. Uh. And she did. Did she create Empty Nest? Empty, Empty Nest. Nest? Probably. Let's Google that. I don't know. Um, she, uh, yeah, no, she wasn't, like, because she had chronic fatigue syndrome, she wasn't in, she wasn't doing a lot of work outside the Golden Girls. The Golden Girls was kind of her ticket. Oh, no, I know, but I'm saying, like, there have been showrunners that haven't done as much as this who are, like, I don't understand why she's not part of, like, the Pantheon, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, why didn't I know her name before you guys brought her up? You yeah, know? good point. Especially yeah. as a woman in comedy. I feel like... It's kind of strange that I didn't I didn't know her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, it's super well written. I mean, the moments of comedy are mixed with the moments of drama like really well. Mm-hmm. It's um, I don't know. I mean, it's done in oh. such a way that like it's joke, 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 and then but then it, the serious parts are very genuine. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. no and even like. 
the storytelling they have to do, you know, where Dorothy's well, like, oh, this is why I'm single. Like, my husband's in Maui. Like, she's so straight. Yeah. Peppered with jokes. Yeah. Peppered with real emotion. Like, yeah, yeah. They, lay, they lay the pipe very well without really making it feel like too exposition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, the, the balance between the plot of it and also, you know, getting to know the characters was very nice. Usually they have, usually they typically have a B story that is kind of, like, you know, they'll have their main A story, and then there's always a small B story that just exists to basically service the A story. Yeah, I mean, this B story might have been that Sophia I think it was, was just there. Sophia shows yeah. up, but it was such a small B story mm-hmm. that they were really able to focus on, What I didn't know. know about Susan Harris, and I'm just Googling her now, she is one of the creators of Soap, which explains a lot about why there's a gay character. Oh. Because Soap was the first oh. series that had an openly gay character. Oh. Like a regular character, Billy Crystal. Interesting. And, uh, so she created soap. Oh, and she wrote the the abortion episode on Maud yeah. as well. Yeah, and she worked on All in the Family. She was. Why is she not like everyone's? Hero? Why isn't there a gold statue yeah. of her in downtown yeah. Los Angeles? She I don't also know. did a show called Hail to the Patriarchy. Chief. Patriarchy. I feel like maybe we should kickstarter that. The to Patriarchy. Have like a season. Yeah, That's why. She, did a, she did a show that was on in 1985 called Hail to the Chief, and it was about the first female president. Oh yeah, is yeah. this Gina Davis? No, no, no. This I was much later. It was Patty Duke was the president. This was oh my god! Yeah, Patty uh, Duke, who now wants to be known as Anna something, so we can't call her Patty Duke. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Well, Anna when, Marie. Ooh. I have to call her oh, Marie. Patty Duke looks good in that picture. Um, one thing that's a little disappointing to me about the pilot is that um, this is the only episode where Blanche doesn't have her Mae West Southern accent, and she's not a slut right. in the first episode. Yeah. Like, I mean, they allude to she's it. She's basically. I was gonna ask too because. So was was Betty White doing a Southern accent for Blanche when you mean she, Rue McClanahan? No, no, oh. no, like when she was. Oh, we don't know you know what I mean? I like, don't know. so was the Southern accent a thing that Rue McClanahan just added later? Like, how did well, that? The, it's so well, indicative yeah. of Blanche, you know. Yeah. She, I'm so glad that she did it. She wanted to do it at the beginning, but the director of the pilot, Jay Sandrich, told her not to. And then when the show got picked up. Like the the studio network people were like she she was like I have this accent I'd like to try it and she tried it out for them and they're like why didn't you do this in the pilot it's amazing so yeah. from that point forward and and it's, it's so, so jarring to hear her without it in yeah. the first episode yeah I mean that accent is so like perfect for the character and so funny it you adds kind to of have a comedy. little bit of it you it was kind of yeah. there was like a little Mae West in her yeah. in that first episode just the way she would talk about you know how she's at the end of the episode when she gets dumped how you know she's dying and it's mm-hmm. like you know what I mean yeah it is very Tennessee Williams yeah, dramatic very sort dramatic. of like yeah she I wouldn't have I would have never thought Mae West I would have thought that she was doing a sort of like cat on a hot tin roof thing yeah mm-hmm. I could see that um, yeah. which is great yeah. And and Estelle Getty's perfect, just like pitch perfect. She's so mean in this episode. Yeah. But Her, so is Dorothy. Dorothy, I mean, it makes sense that they're mother-daughter because yeah. they're both really mean. Dorothy just starts out literally the first, first of all, they're drinking orange juice at night, which yeah. is so Miami. I was so confused. I was like, is this morning Maybe time? it was a thing because... in the 80s that like senior citizens had to drink orange juice late at night because it helped your bones or something. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. It and was then, a weird choice. I think it was like, I think they were trying to be like, we're in Miami. Uh, and then uh, you drink orange juice. Is that why? That's time. why Blanche's bed looks like Fern Gully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should it's talk so about tropical. some of the inconsistencies of the episode because that—that's one of your favorite things to do. Is like, how did this even happen? Like, yeah. what's going on here? Um. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the 
One thing. <laughs> there's so many. Uh, there's so many. Uh, well, you know, th- there are inconsistencies with like why would that police officer come to our house kind of thing. Yeah. But I think just between the pilot and the rest of the episodes, obviously the, the where set, the lanai the, is, where the lanai is yeah. um, which you know, obviously the lanai is a huge part of this podcast because it's called Out of the Lanai. Yeah. Um, but the lanai, like Blanche's, the entrance to Blanche's bedroom is where we know the lanai now, and vice versa. Um, and also the the kitchen is different. Yeah. Everything like the wallpaper is a little bit more drab. And when did they get rid of the wallpaper? Like season two? I don't. I thought it was just in the pilot. I guess we'll know when we watch the yeah, next we'll episode. Yeah, we'll watch. We'll listen for future podcasts. Yeah. and we'll talk about the wallpaper. But um, I was gonna say Dorothy just waltzes in and is immediately bitchy to everyone. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. immediately yeah. shitty. She's um, yeah, she gets really really mean really quick. But it's especially not just mean, to Rose. It's like sarca- yeah, well, Rose is the punching bag. Yeah. And she continues to be the punching bag throughout mm-hmm. the season. Throughout yeah. the series. Like, she gets, she's the one that gets hit in the head with the newspaper every day. She's yeah. the one who, like, you know, whatever. She, she's the, she gets beat up a lot. But there are all those moments where, even in this first episode, where you see something in Rose that you're like, you're supposed to be dumb. And, like, the, that, <laughs> oh, the thing no. that she saw in Harry, that he was a bad guy, just shows how dumb she actually isn't. <laughs> yeah. You or even I mean? the, the... You know, when she's talking on the couch about that whole speech about, like, what are we supposed to do now, mm-hmm. was, like, really, I was like, oh, man, this just got real. Yeah. yeah. The this one thing, pilot got real, real. Oh, yeah. Well, they wanted to make a statement about, you know, women and and how seniors and, different, you know, lives of women in the 80s and sort of what the changing tide of feminism and the fact that we know now Susan Harris wrote you know, those episodes of Maud yeah. and All in the Family and how she created Soap, like, this woman was, like, a trailblazer in TV doing things that, for, uh, doing things for storylines for women that were, like, never, ever done before. Yeah. Ever done. She, like, basically took the idea of Mary Tyler Moore, which was, like, a crazy, crazy, off-the-beaten-path storyline of a single woman, sort of... Who but, didn't need a man. Who didn't need a man. Yeah. And she lived in this studio apartment, similar to the one we're in now, mm-hmm. and she, she, you know, got a job and lived her life, and, you know, she was very simple, though. She was a very good girl. She yeah. Right, a, a yeah. Good, you know what I mean? She was a girl in a lot of ways, even though it was Mary Tyler Moore, whereas Susan Harris took that idea and then blew it up and let her be sexual and let her get, yeah. get abortions and mm-hmm. let her do these things, and... So they all of those lessons from those '70s shows that I guess Susan Harris worked on with Norman Lear, who basically right, kind of yeah, started yeah, her yeah. career, yeah. Um, put into the Golden Girls and created this awesome, awesome team of writers. And I mean, on the show, um, you had who was who was the director? One of the main directors of Jay Sandridge was the first. Yeah, and then, but the pilot. there was a throughout the series there was one guy who directed like the majority of the episodes I'll find out you look it up I'm going to talk about one of my favorite moments it's such a subtle moment one of my favorite moments in the pilot is when um, the, the women are out in the lanai and uh, Sophia is wearing these beautiful just big round glasses and wearing something I feel like we never see her wearing she's wearing like a floral yeah. like uh, like robe like a silk robe and she's reclining uh, in this chair and um, and Dorothy just walks out and, without, and, and Rose is out there too and without saying anything Dorothy just puts a mirror under her nose for a second and Rose is like what are you doing she's sleeping and Dorothy's like just checking you never know and it's just so yeah. so great it was like such just like a small fun thing and it really it, it just gave us a nice glimpse into their relationship because I mean this this episode wasn't about the relationship between Dorothy and her mother but they give us these like little moments that where we we completely understand what their dynamic has been it's also years. funny because um and then later Sophia brings it back when she, they, they're like I thought you were sleeping when she talks and uh-huh. then she's like you never know, you never know. <laughs> but it's funny because my I feel like my grandmother who 
we watched a lot of this this show together a lot. She moved to Florida from New York. She she retired and moved to Florida uh, from New York when you know she was in her 60s and she lived in a retirement community with a bunch of other older women and she constantly had drama with them. And she and I were very close and I lived with her for a little while and uh, like I you know she passed away when I was 14. I have a tattoo in memory of her, all this stuff. But so we watched it together a lot and she had a very similar relationship with her mother that Dorothy has with Sophia where, but like slightly more antagonistic where like I would constantly, like she, I, I would be, I constantly thought that Grandma Lee wanted her mom to, to die. Like she was just like, <laughs> oh my God, fucking die already. Like she was yeah. so like, cause she was like, you know, super old and super just like at that point where it doesn't matter anymore. Like mean, mm-hmm. like they explained it in the pilot, like, oh, Sophia had a stroke. That's why she's mean. Which I don't think people I don't think that's true. lose that part of no, their brain I think and become I, mean. Part of me felt like it was something that Sophia told Blanche and Rose, yeah. and they just bought it. Like <laughs> it wasn't, you know, like it wasn't yeah. real. And the way Blanche described it, it was like, the, no it, one believed this. No one believed. Yeah, this. yeah. she was just like, oh well, you know, she had a stroke, and it affected that part of her brain that filters things that come yeah, out of your it mouth. Doesn't, like, it was. It yeah. doesn't. I feel she like that was. I feel a like prostitute. She yeah. did call Blanche. She did call Blanche a prostitute. I feel like that was a late in the and, game addition that like a, yeah. a, a note someone gave them. Like we have to explain why Sophia's mean. I think she's just mean. Like yeah. I don't. Yeah, they, that could just be her character. Yeah. That she's like a mean, crabby old lady. But they're like nobody's gonna buy it. Well, oh, so Grandma Sophia. Lee's mom was exactly like that, yeah. Dottie. And she was always just like my grandma. I was like so real. It felt so real. I had a cat my, named Dottie once. Oh, my mom's name is Dorothy, and so it was my grandmother. Oh, my yeah. mom's name's Kathy, not related. <laughs> um, but Sophia, Estelle Getty. So she, that was her hair, her real hair in the first two episodes. Terrible. It looks terrible. It looks terrible. fried. It, yes, exactly. The wigs and are so much better. Then once the series picked up and did well, you know, Estelle Giddy wanted to look pretty. And she she yeah, like, she was probably like, be, also, I'm going to need my brown hair for the flashback episodes, yes. which you better write for me because I want to look young on this show at some point. <laughs> yeah, and so she, she colored her hair, and in the season two, she got a facelift, and they talk about, I think B. Arthur, in her like Emmy's sort of interview thing for the TV Academy that they did years ago, um, talks about how uh, Estelle Giddy got a facelift, and they all looked at her like, what do we, you need to make you look old. Mm-hmm. And so they like... The, literally, they she was early they gave her there. Just, like, prosthetic jowls. Yeah, they made her look old on the series, and they put the wig on her because she didn't want to wear color her hair. Which I cannot blame her because, yeah. like, you know, you shoot the show, and then you're just like, I have now I have gray hair. Like, I yeah. you know, she's in her fifties. She wants to like she retain look anything. For the, the, Wait, the Estelle she, Getty is was Estelle in her Getty 50s? is yeah. younger than she's, B. Arthur. She's the she's the second to youngest um, on the whole series. What? Betty White. Is I'm going to show oldest, you a photo of and what? then B. Arthur, and then Estelle Getty, and then Rue McClanahan. They do these amazing flashback episodes where it's like, you know, 30 years earlier yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know, it's mind-blowing. And it's Estelle mind- Getty just looks like herself, and she has brown hair, and they give her makeup, and she's very petite and yeah. adorable. I'm not getting any internet connection. So, as you do that, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, um, sh- the Terry Hughes was the yeah. director of the majority of the episodes mm-hmm. of The Golden Girls, and it kind of just started his career. He's a British director, and he didn't really do anything else but direct the Golden Girls. So it was Susan Harris and Terry Hughes who essentially like created what this show is. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, kind of incredible. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I 
I got the time. A picture of That's Estelle what she looked Getty. like at the time. Yes, we're looking at a photo of Estelle Getty with an Emmy in her hand. Yeah. And she looks um, Which, very young. Yeah. yeah. She did. Well, she they did a really good job making her color her hair, and they did a good job making her. That is so funny. Yeah. So that's why the flashback episodes are amazing. Yeah. And so yeah. she's actually younger than B. Arthur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's the third youngest. Yeah. And Betty White, the only one surviving, is the oldest. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know, it's kind of well, yeah, how all that works out. You've seen that meme on Tumblr, right? Where it's like the character of Rose being like, what happens when I'm the only one, when there's only yeah. one of us left? Yeah. There, it is the uh, most haunting thing. Oh my it's God. In a, yeah, it is. It's, it's in a later episode. That actually just made my heart and beat a little fast. She, and she specifically says her. She says, what? basically, like in a nutshell, she says, what happens when all of you die and I'm left by myself? And they're like, that'll never happen. It's very haunting. It's We'll like, mention it when we get to that episode. I can't uh, even. I it's, can't. Yeah, so, it's bizarre. Should we talk about Golden Takeaways? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we're getting to that point where, you know, we, we basically discussed what this episode is about. Mm-hmm. It lays the framework for the rest of the series, which we will be discussing 179 episodes later. Yeah, just so you guys know, this I feel like this we're going to give so much backstory because it's the pilot episode. Yeah. So I yeah. feel like in future episodes it'll be more about talking about the episode spe- itself. Specific but episode. We and how have... it relates to others because exactly. they all kind of relate but not really like, especially going forward, the actors that played multiple parts. Oh, that's on, my favorite thing. <laughs> there's a comic in New York named Sharon Spell and she did a website of all of the actors and all the characters they played, the uh-huh. multiple characters they played. So many people. It's like basically they knew ten actors and they just cast them over yes. and over and over. Law and Order does a similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. One of the dumbest examples, which I'm like, I don't understand why they did this, is they have an actor who plays um, Salvador, Dorothy's father, Sophia's husband, in the flashback episodes when we go back to like, you know, the 50s, the 60s, whatever. And there was an episode where he just played like a waiter at a renaissance fair. And I'm like, you literally could not find it. They're just like, we really like the guy. And it's like very clearly him, same voice, everything. Yeah. And I'm just like, why couldn't you hire another actor? But that's just what they did in the 80s, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it was like a theater troupe. Yeah, yeah exactly. In a weird way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So golden takeaways. Basically, golden takeaway is sort of like the lesson or the thing that you took away from this episode. I'll start to give you kind of an example. Um, my golden takeaway from the first episode of the Golden Girls season one episode one is that family isn't just your blood it can be your friends and Aww. people who you meet in your life that are important to you and you know it's it is and I think that in many ways that's what kind of got it's it's very gay identified the show there's mm-hmm. a huge gay audience for the show and it's also very female identified and the fact that those two minorities are you know very large minorities in this country and this episode very explicitly said it's okay if you're different which women living alone being single and being sexual in their 50s and 60s mm-hmm. was definitely a weird thing yeah and 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 that's where gay men identified with and women identified means that you can be whoever you want to be and you can do whatever you want to do and you don't need a man you don't need a man <laughs> and even if he is a big single <laughs> I'm single too um I'm rolling in it so <laughs> and so that was my golden takeaway that you don't need blood to be Gabby did you have a golden takeaway from this pilot episode my golden takeaway is um, you two are soulmates. <laughs> uh, <laughs> something we didn't already know. Uh. I, um, oh, I'm, I can't tell if I'm happy or sad at myself for this. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, I, I think, not really having to do with the episode, but Susan Harris should be like 
There, she should be on Mount Rushmore. I'm telling like, you, let's get on that statue thing. Yeah. I am like, I don't understand why I didn't know her name prior to to you two. Like, the like the episode is so well written. It's like a textbook good TV writing structure. Yeah. Everyone who today like makes TV and is like, well, you know, pilots are all bad. That's not an excuse. Yeah. No. That's no excuse. Watch this and you realize. Watch yeah. the no. pilot of the Golden Girls. There's no excuse for your shitty pilot. Aspiring and, TV writers, listen up. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that this show is sort of like, I think also, I'll I'll say this, that the fact that the show is so like women love it and gay men love it makes makes the larger pantheon dismiss it mm-hmm. as not like a a show that is among the top comedies or is yeah. like um, like it's just like oh it's something that gay guys and women like yeah and so that's why it doesn't have the like respect or whatever and or um, Susan Harris maybe doesn't have the respect or that like it's I, I just it, it makes me mad yeah. basically seeing the pilot I was like this is so good all all you white guys in coffee shops writing your dumb stupid pilots about white guys in coffee shops <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Uh, into the mic to say yeah. fuck you, by yeah, the way. Yeah, you all got flipped off. And flipped two yeah. two very pretty birds. And, uh... Pretty bird, pretty bird, pretty bird. And, uh... Yeah, that, that's it. So Susan Harris, that's, that's your, your golden that's takeaway. That's your golden mm-hmm. And I love that golden takeaway. Thank you. She's still alive. Um, oh my god, we should write her a letter. We should... I, I, yeah. I will write her a letter. Yeah, that Let's would find be... a thing. She lives in Mountain Verde, New York, apparently. Right. Have her on the show! Yeah. Let's just always have her Wikipedia page We could probably open. get her. I bet she's handled her... her um, chronic fatigue syndrome. You oh, go sure to her right now. Yeah, she you... was just in 2011 inducted into the Television Academy Hall of Fame. Good for of her. course, just in 2011 yeah. because patriarchy, folks. Gary, <laughs> 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 what was your golden ageism? Um, <laughs> all right, go on. I think my golden takeaway. It might be a little bit more deeper and poignant than what you guys already said, um, but it comes from Rose, and it was that oysters move very slowly. Mm-hmm. You just have to watch them closely. That's true. <laughs> and with that, I shall slam my laptop shut. I've said everything I need to say. That's 2014's way of dropping the mic and walking I did. I just the dropped stage. the mic and walked off the stage. <laughs> well, this has been so much fun. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Gabby, coming um, in. I am glad you guys are doing it. I know it's my job to be a curmudgeon, but... <laughs> no, this is great. Thank you for introducing us. Yeah, and, and where can people follow you and find you? Um, on Twitter, at Gabby Dunn, J-B-Y-D-U-N-N, or GabbyDunn.com. Oh my god! There's a car outside going crazy, because they're so excited about our Golden Girls podcast. like, wait, me, Gabby Dunn? What? (laughs) (laughs) Error. Well, thank you so much for coming Yeah, thanks for having me. Ajon cooked for us before this. It was so nice. Pancakes. We had pancakes and eggs and and fruit. And eggs and fruit. Oh my god, it was great. Delicious. And I'm H. Allen Scott. You can follow me at H-A-L-A-N-S-C-O-T-T on Twitter. And and I am Carrie Doherty. You can follow me at Squidzy. A... <laughs> you want to spell that? No, that's not even my Twitter handle. No, no that's it's... your Instagram. <laughs> no. Squidzy's your Instagram. You can follow her on Instagram. Jesus. That. Yes, that's where you can follow me. Uh, it's at Squid Eat Squid, which is like dog eat dog, but with squid. I'll get into the story someday. What, yeah. What that's I about. I want to hear what that's about. Yeah. We well, talked about it already. We have talked on about it. Yeah, we did talk oh, about it once that's in a such while. An LA Thank thing you for being a friend. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gabby, for joining us. Bye, guys. Miami, Miami, you got stop.